Shukarani Kuwa Ahili Ya Kuyunga Nasisi Leo Tuna Show Kusisi Moa Kuwa Ahili Yako Tadoans Ni Ungene Wetu Nasisi Ni Quenda Kusikia Kuhusu Adventures Yake Ungini Kenya If you live in Kenya, I apologize if I butchered your beautiful language. Um, I just tried to speak Swahili, and as you heard, I don't know that it went that well. Um, <laughs> I certainly tried. I gave it the effort, the old college try. Uh, in case you're wondering what I said, I tried to say, thanks for joining us today. We have an exciting show for you. Todd Owens is our guest, and we are going to hear about his adventures in Kenya. Now, whether or not it came out like that, I don't know. And again, I certainly apologize uh, if I butchered the language. I've got a good feeling that I did, uh, and I'm terribly, terribly sorry about that. <laughs> but so we have an exciting interview today. It is with uh, Reverend Todd Owens, um, a fascinating guy, great stories, um, it's very, very interesting, uh, and you'll hear later on in the podcast, that he basically took his five children and his wife, uprooted them, and moved to Kenya. And while to some of us we would hear that and go, that's insane. What in the world? <laughs> like, that just, that's not supposed to happen. Um, that's not normal. Why would you do that? That's, that's berserk. I mean, it's nuts, but... Um, We've kind of talked about it before, but God didn't didn't look at them and go, yeah, you guys, oh man, you already speak Swahili. It's perfect. Um, he just wants you to be willing. And I think too often that God may be calling us to certain things. He may be trying to draw us into something that he wants us to do. But a lot of times we may turn our back on it. We may say, no, that's not really for me. You, like, you know a lot of stuff, God, but you don't know this. Um, and he has to look at us and scratch his head and go, seriously, like I made everything and I'm calling you to this. I want you to get into this, even if it means uprooting your entire family, moving to a different continent in a language you don't speak. And I want you to go there and minister and I will be with you every step of the way that should be sufficient for us. But I think too often we get frightened because oh, I don't speak the language or oh, it's another continent or oh, I'm going to miss all my friends and family. And yeah, that may be true, but he's going to be there. The almighty, all-powerful God is going to be with you while you're on this adventure. And I say adventure because there's nothing else to call it. When you get stuck into situations that you feel like, I have no idea how I got here. I have no idea why I continue to stay here even. Uh, I don't know how I got from point A to point B, but I'm here because God called me to be. That's I can call it nothing less than an adventure. Um, and it's in those situations that you have the best stories ever. Uh, man, you have stories to tell and people, you know... Um, when people go like on trips and things like that, and they're like, oh, yeah, we had this great story, and this funny thing happened, and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, yeah, okay, that's kind of cool. But 
but see, I went on a mission trip or I went on, I was a missionary to Kenya or to Africa or wherever it might be. And this happened and we didn't have food and God showed up on the scene and everybody was able to eat and was full. Those kind of things happen. Those kind of stories are the ones you go, whoa. Like it just kind of takes you back and, and it makes you wonder, why do I ever doubt God? Why do I ever question him? God never wants to necessarily call the equipped, but he wants to call the willing. He, the willing are the ones that he wants to go. Um, the fishermen that he chose, the disciples he picked, they weren't the guys that were the sharpest guys in class. They weren't the guys that were getting all A's. They were the guys that held on to the C's get degrees kind of attitude. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe even that. Maybe they dropped out early and they're just part of the family business and that's what's going on. But see, he didn't pick the guys that were at, um, at uh, seminary that were seeking after their masters or their doctorate necessarily. Now, it doesn't mean that if you're pursuing that, that God can't use you at all. But I'm just saying the willingness of these guys that were... They were nobodies, but God tends to take the nobodies and make them somebodies until they're recognized by everybody. That's a quote from the late, great Leonard Ravenhill, and I find it true today. He takes people that nobody know. No one knows who they are. They don't have a clue who they are, but they're willing to serve Jesus, and when they're willing to serve Jesus, that's when miraculous things begin to happen. And I find that absolutely awesome. And as I'm talking with Todd Owens today, uh, we begin to hear about stuff that's going on over there and how they're working and God's moving. And it's just simply amazing. And I'm so excited for people that are getting into things like this that are not equipped. They have, they have no way, shape, or form that they should be able to go to a different continent or in a different situation or in a different community uh, outside of their norm, outside of their comfort zone. They're totally uncomfortable. They're totally just shaken up. But because they're willing, God shows up on the scene. God does miraculous things. He begins to move in unique ways. He begins to do things that are unexplainable by our human mind. We can't wrap our minds around what is going on, but God somehow, some way, shows up on the sh up on the scene and begins to just show who he is. His Shekinah glory comes down, man, and it is miraculous. Man, I don't know about you. But just the concept of just thinking about that makes me want to go and serve Jesus. It just, I'm just blown away. So as you listen to this today, keep in mind, God doesn't always need you to be qualified, but he always needs you to be willing to do whatever he asks. Because then and only then, Will he be able to fulfill his purpose in your life? Mm, love that truth. Love that truth. So, hope you're having a great day today. And as always, let's start the show. Yes. <laughs> You got me straight up tripping, boo. 
dipping and dapping and don't know what's happening. They was grabbing hankies, waving blankies. They was running them aisles up in there. I respect your opinion, but you're wrong. in for a treat today, and if nothing else, I know this podcast is going to be recreational for you. It's Nick Jones. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Um, we have a special guest all the way from Kenya, Todd Owens, the Todd Owens today, and uh, very excited about that. We got lucky. He was in the States um, just to do this podcast. It's the only reason he flew over here. <laughs> that's the only I'm pretty sure I'm not 100% I didn't even ask him that question or not but I'm going to say that now the only reason Todd Owens flew from Kenya to the United States is to do this podcast uh, I don't I think I'm 100% accurate on that <laughs> <laughs> so how's it going? it's going well man good to talk to you you too it's been a while yeah, it has been. It's been way too long. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I've I've been stateside, and you decided to up. You said, you know what? I'm done with the states, and I'm gonna go to <laughs> I'm gonna go to wherever you want me to go, God. And he was like, I want you to go to Kenya. And he was like, mm, Where else? Second choice. He's like Kenya. I'm like, well, okay. Third choice. He's like Kenya. So what are you doing in Kenya? Uh, currently, I'm working at a missionary boarding school called Rift Valley Academy in Kajabi, Kenya. And I am the senior Bible teacher and dorm parent for 21 sophomore boys who oh, come from uh, six different countries, and I think I have nine different nationalities, and their parents are doing work everywhere from Egypt to Madagascar to Mozambique, uh, Tanzania, Nigeria, Uganda, Kenya, and a few places where, for safety reasons, we can't even name. Wow. So it's, it's pretty, pretty impressive, and it's awesome to be able to listen to some of those stories. I can only imagine. But that's, oh yeah, it's it's unbelievable. But that's where we're that's where we're going to be for the next year and a half. Then in a year and a half, my family and I will be moving to the Central African Republic to work with an unreached people group in the village of Zemio. Okay, is that still going to be in Kenya? No, no, that'll be. Um, in CAR or the Central African Republic. Is that like um, an, is that a new, I've never heard of that country. Was that a country? Yeah, it's, it's actually a country just north of Congo and just west of Sudan. Nice. I didn't even know it existed. I feel like I'm pretty <laughs> hip to the map and that, uh, that one slipped by me. How new is that country? Um, I don't know. Uh, I can say I've educated you again. You, well, that just, doesn't take much. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't <laughs> take much at all. So you're going to move in there. Now, are, are 
the boys that are in your dorm and, and the kids that are there at this school, are they, um, are, are their parents currently in ministry roles or are they doing just anything and they just decided um, they want them to go to the school? All but two of the parents are, are missionaries. Um, two of the others, they both reside in Kenya. Uh, one of them, their parents went to Rift Valley and just, apparently he and his brothers and his cousins and aunt and uncles all went there and he just wanted to continue the heritage. And then my, my other one, his dad's a businessman and we are considered the second most prestigious school, uh, or at least private school in all of Africa. And he just kind of wanted his son to go to a prestigious school like that. On the whole continent? Yeah, um, there's a report that just came out. They do it every year, and the only school that continues to beat us out, and we're kind of ticked with them, is some school in South Africa. Uh, but they're down at the south of the continent. They don't really count. We're uh, we're in the middle. We're the powerhouse. South Africans. Yeah. They're shifty. Yeah, you can say that. Tell you what. <laughs> so okay. So you have this title, you're the Bible teacher in the second best school in all of Africa. How does that yep, feel? that's me. Um, feels pretty good, not going to lie. Yeah, that's a pretty uh, sweet it's title. challenging. I would get yeah, a plaque I'd... made up. <laughs> oh, I have a t-shirt. Yeah, um. you sh- as you should. <laughs> No, I just worked out into as many conversations as possible. Absolutely. Um, you know, I was at Chick-fil-A today and just worked it in with the cash, <laughs> cash register person there. And, and I don't know if you know this or not. thoroughly impressed. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Is it, I don't know if you give discounts for this or not, but... <laughs> second sure. best school in Kenya. I'm just saying, out of any school, and I just happen to be the, the Bible teacher there. Yep. So, okay, yep, and what prompted you and your family? Because you don't have a small family either. No. No, so, I have five kids. Okay, so what prompted you, your bride, and your five children to go, you know what? Let's go to Kenya. Um, if it was my wife's choice, we would have gone 10, 15 years ago. Oh. But as usual, I'm I'm the slow person in the yeah. family. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, in hindsight, which is always twenty twenty, I I could see God pulling me and pushing me and kicking me in that direction for years. I was just too stubborn to listen. Uh, but the deal sealer for me was it was about four years ago now, actually. Uh, my wife and I adopted uh, a five-year-old boy from Ethiopia, okay. and it was when I was in downtown uh, Addis, which is the capital city in Ethiopia, and just, uh, I, I can actually remember the exact moment. We were coming out of this little cafe, and we were told, being white folks there, uh, all these kids and people will surround you, so came out and all these little kids were coming up asking for food and I had like 
granola bars and bottles of water. I'm just passing out left and right. It was like a parade, just tossing it all out there. And eventually we get into this van that was our taxi, and I'm even handing it through the window of the van. And all of a sudden, I pass out my last little bit, and there's this mom holding this adult little girl who just kept touching her mouth with her hand. It was like a symbol for her hungry. And I'm, I didn't have anything, so I asked my wife. She didn't have anything left. I asked everyone else in the van. They were all out. And to a driveway, and that little girl kept doing that. And my, my heart was breaking for it. Yeah. And I felt like God was saying, all right, Todd, you know, how many thousands of people every day are going without food, but not only physical food, but spiritual food. Yeah. And my stubbornness for Someday, Lord, I'll go, turned into, okay, now is the time. And we started the process, and about two years after that, we were on the mission field. So, it only took a trip to Africa. Yeah. (laughs) And to be swarmed by all these African children, that's all it took. Yeah, that's all. It wasn't like, you know, the calm whisper, you know. Um, or anything like that. It just took a trip to Africa. That's all. Yeah, it, it usually takes a two-by-four for me to, <laughs> um, for the Lord to get my attention. And I'm with you. That was my two-by-four. Yeah, that's... And that's... my wife, and she's, she's like, it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> you don't listen to me in the first place. Yeah. I've, yep. I've had that conversation. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, man, when I pray, I'm just like, okay, you got to make this real obvious because if not i'm gonna miss it <laughs> like let me trip over it and then fall in it because if not yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna just i'm gonna miss it put a stink on it and let me know that that's what it is i don't know i don't know what to tell you so okay now are you are you commissioned through the church to do this or um, is this something that you signed up with them? Um, i'm with a organization called Africa Inland Mission. Okay. And they they're all over the continent of Africa. But that's that's the organization we're traveling through and being an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene, the Nazarene Church views me as on loan to this mission organization. Sure, okay. Um so through this organization, which is a huge organization, uh I I'm commissioned for them and, you know, official. It's not like a temporary title. They have me over there for basically as, as long as we want and as long as, you know, support stays intact. But we, we signed on for what's called a four-year term, and then at the end of four years, we're supposed to come back to the States, refresh. We're supposed to come back for a year and refresh and recharge, and then we can sign on for another four-year term. But since our heart broke for this unreached people group in CAR, uh, we contact the mission organization, and we'll come back for a few months in 2016 and then go back for uh, four straight years just to really get a ministry and, and hopefully a church established there in the village of Zimiel. So is is that the goal then, is to, in essence, plant the church and 
get that rolling there? Yeah, kind of. Um, our mission organizations, in fact, their motto is um, Christ-centered churches among all of Africa's peoples. Okay. And so our role is to come in there, try to get something established, but from the beginning, uh, grab local people and build the church with them with the, with the plan of, hey, this we're coming alongside you and the goal is to hand the keys, so to speak, to them. Uh, so it's not... So almost to not work like yourself out of a job. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. I love and it. And it's, it, it's just a recipe for a failure, in my mind, if we go in there and, hey, this is our church and you guys just happen to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah that and, sounds awful. Well, and, yeah, that and the whole perception, whether it's spoken or unspoken, of, hey, you know, the white guy's going to come in and, and quote-unquote, save us. Yeah. And I, I, I just hate that idea. But we actually have a team of 12 people who we come along with us, and we're going to be, you know, doing some education stuff, doing some feeding things there, but with the primary goal of, establishing your church and then okay so then you you establish a church you're handing over the keys and then are you going to another place trying to do the same thing most, and most likely okay uh, to, to be honest and who knows how long it'll take to really get the church going and started yeah at, at one time there were some vibrant uh, churches going in this part of part of Africa, but uh, with the LRA and all this military uh, turnover and turmoil that was going on uh, for about 25 years, they just had the for safety reasons pull all the missionaries out of there, and will be the the first. Um, at least to go in there uh, for the long term. So I, nice. I did an exploratory trip last year okay. where I was in this tiny little plane and flew into a cornfield oh. and just got to meet with some of the, the Christians there and uh, a few of the leaders from some of the currently established churches that were planted back in like the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And, and they, they housed us and then drove us out into the middle of nowhere so we could meet with some of the Muslim leaders of this people group. It's a nomadic people group called the Mbororo people. And they're, they're cattle herders. And they, they would say they're, they're Muslim, but it's more like a mixture of Islam and like animistic traditions and they they were extremely receptive and and I actually got to sit in the elders tent and and just have coffee with these guys and just talk about life in general which I gotta and think is a slightly big deal yeah you're was, going into their camp and you're having coffee with their elders yeah I, I was surprised that's but pretty sweet yeah, there, there's a local guy there, um, amazing guy, 
uh, his name is Jean Baptiste, which basically is John the Baptist. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, who has just on his own uh, gone out there and just started to minister. And so he kind of opened the door, and since we were walking with him, that made us a little bit of somebody. But to be, it was me and a, a friend of mine who be on our team, uh, two white guys sitting in this hut type thing with, with about 12 to 13 Muslim uh, and Bordero elders. And I, I was not expecting any type of welcome like that, but... Just kind of looked at him and went, okay, Lord, you, you're already opening the doors. Yeah. And it's just going to take me getting get my butt in gear to, to step through those doors. Yeah, we know your track record there, so, you know. <laughs> we'll just let your wife do the hearing, and then she'll be like, here's what you need to do, honey. <laughs> yeah, she... Um, typically, if anything goes right in my life or I'm headed in a positive direction, somehow it's just my wife being like, yeah, it's about time. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've known this whole time. You just, you just, I'm gl- you know, yeah, I'm glad off. you joined the party. That's nice of you to yeah. come along. That's great. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I'm slightly curious. Uh, all of that is amazing that that you got you got invited in there or whatever. I think it, I would be freaked out if anything. I'd be a little freaked out because um, it's not like you can like hop on the phone and be like, "Hey, someone needs to come get me." Um, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> nope, not out there. Um, but here's my question: yeah. It's a really deep intellectual one. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. How was the coffee? <laughs> the, the coffee's outstanding, to be honest. <laughs> really? Okay, I was wondering, I was like, I don't know, that could be either way. It could be either way. I don't, I just wonder how the coffee was. I I would say, um, after being in Africa, the coffee in the States, even what's considered the good coffee here, just tastes like trash. Really? Yeah, and, and my dad, who basically has coffee as an IV into his body, uh, visited us back in Africa in December. And now, every time he gets a chance or he knows people coming from Africa or a chance to buy Kenyan or Ethiopian type coffee, like that's the only coffee I want anymore because after you have the best, you don't want any of the rest. <laughs> Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I've never had I've had Ethiopian before and it was quite delicious. I've never had Kenyan coffee before. However, that could change. Wink wink hint hint nudge nudge. <laughs> just I'm not yeah, saying we, anything, we can I'm just saying make that happen. Do what? Well the, we can probably make that happen, but the difference is it's one thing if a white dude like me makes the coffee for you. It's a whole other thing if an actual Kenyan or Ethiopian man or woman makes the coffee. It's, they, they have some sort of magic touch over it that it's, it's just better when they make it. And, in fact, I have a, a guy who, who works for us in Kenya, and he works for us twice a week, um, just does some great things around our compound. And I'll, I'll occasionally 
um, be the one who has to make him coffee or chai or tea. And the other day I was dropping it off for him, and he went, um, who made it? And I started <laughs> laughing, knowing why he's asking. I said to me, and he said, well, before you leave, let me, let me sample it. Uh, in other words, a kind way of saying, let me see if it tastes like crap. Yeah. And, and apparently I've gotten better at it. He's like, oh, this is acceptable. And he oh, really? The thermos and, yeah. You have moved the up the time. ranks from crap to acceptable. Yes, I'll take it. I will take it. That, I'm impressed. I See, and... I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not putting it in stone. I'm just going to have to go out there and see it for myself. Yeah, you're going to have to. We'll do a podcast from Kenya. <laughs> sipping on Kenyan coffee made by Kenyans and I'll just I'll write the whole trip off. That's I mean that's that's what it's going to have to be. Yeah, and it's worth the trip too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'll be there and I mean I kind of like you and everything, but it's, yeah. more, it's more for the yeah, coffee. Yeah, but I'm, I'm secondary to the coffee. To the coffee. Yeah, let's just be honest about it. It's the coffee that I'm going to go out there for. And, and if you think the coffee is good, the Kenyan tea is even better. And I am not a tea drinker, or I wasn't, until I moved to Kenya. And that's one of the common things. They'll offer either coffee or tea. And I kept choosing coffee, and finally someone said, you have to try the Kenyan tea. And I, I was politely saying, I... I don't like hot tea. And they said, no, no, you don't like the rest of the world's hot tea. You need to try this. And sure enough, it really is better. And Do they put, like, milk in it and deal. stuff like that? Or what the, What makes it better? You can. I, I actually just drink it um, straight. I'll, I'll put just a little bit of sugar in it. I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's richer. It, it's kind of like, you know, if there's coffee, then there's, strong coffee. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with their tea. It's like just thicker and stronger. And it's it's outstanding. But, well, it's settled. I don't know when we're, when we're going to head there. Yeah. But for the tea and the coffee. Door, doors open anytime. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be something. I don't know. <laughs> They'd be like so big. Like, <laughs> well, it's, it's only a short 18-hour flight. Oh, that's all. Uh, <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, just and I'm sure the seats are totally comfortable. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, they're 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 made for you know 12 year old girls. Yeah, and... <laughs> I'm sure that I would only take up three or four of them. It wouldn't be a problem at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate flying. I'm with you. I am with you. I'm not a fan of it. And you know, people always say, if it's your time, you're going to go. And I'm like, you know what? 110% right. If it's my time, I'm going to go. But if it's not my time and it's the pilot's time and it's and I'm, I'm staying alive, I don't want to have to go through that ride. I'm sorry. I just don't. <laughs> Cling into the black box, you know. I don't want to. Why do I have to get through that ride? Mm. Take him before he gets in the in the cockpit. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not right. All right, so there's inevitably going to be people that are listening to this, 
And they're going to want to know a couple things. I always typically ask people a couple things. First is, tell us how you got your, I mean, I, and I always use this on loose quotes. How did you get your, quote, call to ministry? Okay. Was there an um, aha moment or was it a progressive thing? Because we're seeing kind of two different camps forming. So I'm wondering what yours is. Uh, I, I'm honestly going to have to say both. And let, let me explain. I am a third generation pastor. My dad has been a pastor since I was in kindergarten. And my grandfather pastored for 45 years. Actually, I guess I'm fourth generation because his father or father in law was a Quaker evangelist. Uh oh. So. In, in a way, I was kind of doomed to be a pastor. Yeah. Uh, no choice. But I, I swore, as most pastors seem to have, that I would never be a pastor. And I was actually an elementary education major. And it was my senior year of college. I was sitting in a chapel um, at Bethel College in Mishawak, Indiana, and was listening and just, you know, kind of felt like this, that thought of, you know what, I'm going to be calling you to ministry. And I, I literally laughed it off, uh, ignored it, more like. And, yeah. you know, a few weeks later, I was um, at my dad's church, actually, on a Sunday night prayer meeting, which I, I rarely attended in those days. And during this prayer time, uh, it was almost like an audible voice saying, Todd, it's time to wake up. I called you to ministry. Yeah. And similar to what you were saying, I said, okay, Lord, you're going to have to make this abundantly clear, yeah. like handwriting on the wall. Like <laughs> clear. Uh, so I went home that night, and I was, I was pretty newly married, and asked my wife. She was reading her Bible at the time. You know, what are you reading? And she, read Jer she was reading Jeremiah chapter 1. But yeah. for those who don't know, the heading in my Bible at the time for Jeremiah chapter 1 is Jeremiah's call to ministry. And I'm like, nope, not, not clear enough. And so I, I did the ridiculous thing of I was randomly opening my Bible to just random passages of Scripture, you know, testing the Lord. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Just to make this perfectly clear, and I opened up to, like, his call to Matthew um, Elisha, yep. you know, leaving everything behind and following Elijah. And, <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm starting to get the picture. But I got it. I got I'm it. A, I'm going to be an elementary education major. I've got my job lined up. I've got student teaching lined up. And so maybe after graduation, uh, I can look into that. But I can look into like that. Saying, nope, it's now. Don't like a genius. I switched my major second semester of my senior year of college uh, from elementary education to liberal studies, oh. which, yeah, meaning I went to college and took lots of classes, mm -hmm. but, but it opened me up to being able to take as many Bible and theology classes as I could that final semester, and uh, did an internship at Napanee Missionary Church. Napanee, Indiana, a large church with a fantastic internship program, and took my first pastor or youth pastor right after that in Michigan, and 
was a youth pastor full-time for 14 and a half years before going into missions. So in, in a way, in a way it was gradual, in a way it was kind of sudden. I can look back and see clearly all these signs that the Lord was trying to tell me, this is what I'm calling you towards. Yeah. Um, but it just took that two by four moment for me to actually, <laughs> actually start to listen. Yeah. That's typically what it takes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all it is with me, me, too. That's what it takes. Yeah. Um, okay, so now, here's the other question. So we got that. There's going to be some young person listening to this. They're going to want to know, what, what advice would you give somebody that is thinking about doing what you're doing? Or, hey, and, and this is kind of one of the things that the whole, the whole thing with the podcast is, finding ministries that aren't the norm, that are a little bit more unorthodox, they're not a Sunday and a Wednesday type of deal, what advice would you give to them? I mean, it doesn't have to be advice necessarily on your ministry, but just in general, what advice are you going to give somebody who's uh, younger coming up, or maybe somebody who might be older, but just is, is starting to realize their call, uh, that type of deal? What, what advice would you give them? Um, the ones that I've typically given, especially college students who are thinking about ministry, I, well, usually they'll ask, okay, what specific ministries, what specific things should I do? And my common response is, first and foremost, you have to fall head over heels in love with the Lord. Um, I, I've seen so many guys do the opposite where they found the job and then thought, hey, you know what, through this ministry job, I will, I will draw close, closer to the Lord. Which, don't get me wrong, you, you will, but if... I, I know too many guys who are in ministry for the title and for the fun rather than for the life change. So I, I keep telling them, until you have fallen just hopelessly in love with the Lord, uh, honestly, don't pursue a ministry vocation. But once you do, it, it, it's almost like the Lord just lights a fire under some sort of passion, yeah. whether it's with youth or with the homeless, or whether it's missions, or and if I can have a former teen who was uh, a crazy guy who just kind of felt a, a call to work with senior adults, and I was like this wild-haired, crazy kid who somehow, he, he's like the senior adult whisperer. It's unreal. They just love him to death, and if he, if he would have listened to all his professors and friends, he would have gone into youth ministry, but he just fell hopelessly in love with the Lord first, and it's like God just like spotlighted, hey, here's what I'm calling you to. But if you're looking for out-of-the-box ministries, go to some state university campus and spend some time with the students there and listen for for what they're looking for. Because a lot of times they're not looking for the traditional Sunday morning, Wednesday night thing. And I, I sat with someone the other day who their ministry is Thursday night about 11 p.m. Um, in their college apartment where they cram as many college guys in there as possible. And they sit around pizza and 
they're going through certain books of the Bible and just answering theological questions. So it's that sounds they're, awesome. There's no there's no box. Yeah, I mean, that, if you think about it, why why does it have to be on Sunday morning? Just because of the way that's, that we've always done it, you know. I mean, well, yeah, everyone loves the. I was say we all have something where we do it just because that's the way we've always done it. There's yeah. really no rhyme or reason to it. But my my dad has a friend, his daughter, born and raised in the church. She lives out in Colorado now and started attending this new church plant that meets at 5 p.m. on Sundays. And at first, she's like, there's no way. That's just weird. She would never, ever go back to Sunday mornings now. She said her... The weekends are just feel more wide open. Um, she has two young kids, and it's not a rush in the morning. And they that way it doesn't interfere with you know for her kids youth soccer meets on Sunday mornings. Now it's not a competition thing. And she said the only the only real issue is her husband loves NFL football, so <laughs> that, that late game. It kind of interferes with that, so uh, they got a DVR. Bump DVR. it up, yeah, so bump up the package and get the DVR. Yep, and and she was like, problem solved. Huh. And when she when she first said it, I'm like, no, I I wouldn't like that. The more she described it, the more I'm like, oh, actually, that sounds fantastic. That sounds pretty great. You, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, I get to sleep in. Yep. Um. I can still have lunch with everybody, but I'll have, yep. I'll have the only difference will be I'll have bedhead. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, that's a great idea. Five p.m. on a Sunday. Um, yeah, I'm down to get down with that. That sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, like I said the more they start, the more I went. That actually sounds right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Um, I like the 11 p.m. thing, too. That's yeah, pretty this, sweet. This kid I met with, Matt, Matt Fitton, he's a late-night person, and he's with a whole bunch of other college kids who, I mean, late-night is, 11 p.m. is right in their wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't conflict with anything else, so it's Well, it's and you know what? There are people, I mean, I, I work with people, and I, I have the overnight shift. So if I if mm-hmm. I had a church service that was at 11 p.m., that would actually be perfect. Now I yeah. have got Sundays off now, so you know I'm <laughs> sitting there, <laughs> sitting there, crusty eyed and trying to worship. Um, but but yeah, I mean, 11 p.m. would be that would be perfect for overnights. I think that'd be fantastic. So yeah, if you're near a campus, a, a secular campus, get out there and figure out what they need. Not oh, not yeah, what the, you want, the what they need. Is do what? Yeah, and I like what you just said there. Uh, they're ministers of Lord, and, and don't look for what you think they need. Just listen to what, what they say they need. Oh, it drives me nuts when... Okay, let me go on a slight a slight rant here. An ever-so-slight rant. <laughs> it drives me insane when people come up to, to the church or somebody in the church or just a Christian, and they'll say, I'm hungry, and we'll go, well, here's the Bible... Yep. They'll go, but I'm I'm thirsty. Did you know we have uh, Bible studies on Wednesdays? You know, or they'll go, hey, I'm an addict and I need help. Oh, um, 
here's a tithe envelope. Are you joking <laughs> me? Start fulfilling people's needs and then they'll listen to you. Yep. It drives me insane. I'm like, feed them. Do you think a person that's starving and they've asked you for food and you've given them a Bible is really going to go, well, I should probably turn my life around for Christ right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm not even going to get started on that. I'll get too wound up. But that's the beauty of it being your podcast. You that's true. I can rant all I want. Well, I'll probably rant at the beginning. I don't know. <laughs> get wound up. I... <laughs> that's true. That's the beauty of it. But, but yeah, man, that's great advice. Find a, find a secular campus. Fall, okay, step one. Fall in love with Jesus. Yes. No matter, no matter who you are. You're called, you're called to ministry. It's just a matter of what it is. So fall in love with Jesus and then figure out where he wants to put you. Yeah, and part of the reason why I tell the students fall in love with Jesus is you can't lead people where you've not already gone. Exactly. Yeah. It's so huge because it's, it's kind of like a thing where if you, don't, if you don't understand the reason you're doing what you're doing, then you're never going to be able to accomplish the things he wants you to accomplish. If you're just out there so you can have a really good-looking ministry on paper, yeah. it may work for a little bit, but it's not going to work. It no, it, just it's, isn't. It's not going to sustain. No. It's going to be a flash in the pan. Yeah. That's it. That's all it's going to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's great advice. I, I always ask people that, that come on the podcast to what's some good advice because there's going to be people listening that are just like, that sounds like something I'd like to do, or that sounds like something that I might be interested in or something like that. And so, you know, what, what's some great advice? That was great advice. I, I wish I would have been, wish it's one of those things just like, I wish someone would have told me this. Way back when, you know, and, and you know what, in all actuality, and you could, you could probably empathize with this, they probably were. Yeah, I just wasn't listening. I was just too then. dumb to listen. Well, my thing wasn't that I was dumb, I was too arrogant, I'm like, yeah, 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 I know what I'm doing, just back off. <laughs> I've got this, I've got this, guys, seriously. <laughs> You're like, I, um, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm fourth generation, Okay. <laughs> so it's like Michael Jordan with all the rings. I don't know if you've noticed the amount of rings I got, but I got this. I got this. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, do you have? I'm sure that you do. Do you have any ministries you want to plug? Any websites that you want to give out? Uh, anything yeah, like that? Um, Go for it. Yeah, we. Our family has a website. It's Owens to Africa, O W E N S T O Africa dot com, and it's just kind of a um, an update on what we're doing. But there are some other side ministries, such as a school feeding program, where we feed sixteen thousand school kids every single school day. Who most of them—that's the only meal they get that we're a part of. Um, there's a link to that right on the side of our our family website, and 
the organization after Amen Mission that we work with, as well as some of the supporting churches we have, it's, it's just easier to go straight to that website, owenstoafrica.com. And then you'll get to see, you know, picture, picture my wife and then, you know, how the world did that happen, uh, which I ask myself that every day. Um, and my five beautiful kids, and you'll thank the Lord that they take after my wife and not after me. But that's, that's probably the easiest one uh, to take everyone to. Awesome. Hey, everybody, go to that website. Donate money. Um, we, we want, you said you feed 16,000 kids every day. Did I lose you? No, no, I'm still here. All I'm right, 16,000 kids every day? Yep, 16,000. That's um, insane. We, we realized a few years ago that uh, the only way to really break the cycle of poverty in, in Kenya is through education. And we're like, every, these kids are going to school and have to choose whether they want to go to school or find food, which for me, that's an easy choice. I find food. Uh, so we thought, well, let's, let's make it so if they come to school, they get a meal. And so uh, the organization with that is called Kenya Kids Can. And since then, since this program started a few years ago, the test scores are off the charts because kids are fed and um, alive and alert and actually come to school every day because they're guaranteed a, a hot meal because of that. What a novel concept of meeting the need. I know. Yeah, and It's almost like we talked about this. It's not a ministry. We, we don't preach or anything at that, but if anyone asks, we say, hey, we do this just because God loves you, and so do we. And, and that's, our, that's our common phrase. But, yeah, we're, we're just meeting sustainable, urgent needs. That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. Well, man, I, I appreciate you so much taking time um, out of your, yeah. your schedule when you come into the States. I, I just lucked out. I sent you a message, and I was like, I want to interview you. How, how am I going to do this? And you're like, actually, <laughs> I'm going to be in the States. <laughs> which is yeah. awesome. So I hopped on that right away. Well, I love being able to do it, man. It was, it was good being able to catch up with you and being able to, to help out and just chat about some of my passions, too. Yeah, man, I love it. I love it. Well, thanks again for being on here. Um, check it out on LegacyHelms.com. We're going to have all the information. Owens to Africa. Go on there, donate, meet a need for these kids. 16,000 kids every day are, are hungry. And you get a chance to feed these kids. It's an amazing ministry. We really appreciate you being on here. And uh, look forward to talking to you again in the future when we make that trip to Kenya. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> good right. talking to you, too. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening in today. Don't forget to check us out online at LegacyHelms.org or any of our other platforms such as iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Player FM. Please subscribe and write a review for us. We want to hear what you have to say. If you need t-shirts for your next big event, we've got you covered. Visit us on the website and click on the t-shirt quote page under t-shirts. If you would like Nick or Kendra to preach at your next retreat, revival, or camp, fill out the contact us form online under preaching. 
If you want to send us an email and get in contact with us, please do so and send it to LegacyHelms at gmail.com. And as always, remember, don't let your meat loaf or your mop flop.